always check with your physicians before making any changes to your treatment plan. Ryan's song will play in full at the end of the episode. So music is probably the thing that's carried me through, you know, over the years. Yeah, I played at some Hope Lodges, Ron McDonald Houses, um, different hospitals. Played for a lot of uh, people affected by cancer, whether it was um, caretakers or people going through treatment. Welcome to Living with Skin Anxiety with your host, Rosaria Kozar. In this episode, I hope families get an understanding of the importance of knowing side effects to treatment the importance of checkups once you finish treatment, hobbies, and developing a healthy lifestyle following cancer treatment. While you might be listening to this during treatment, it is essential to have this knowledge now. So when you're out, you're not having or not in another world of unknowns. Instead, you can take action. That said, I have with me Ryan Hamner, a survivor. And now his name might be familiar because he is a singer-songwriter writing inspirational music, some about his journey. He has been faced with many cancer-related obstacles in life, starting at the age of six. Yet, he rises to the top with his positive take on life. He puts careful time and energy into helping young children that are in the shoes that he once filled. This four-time cancer survivor also wrote a book that helps guide you through his journey and even some of the topics that we'll cover today. So welcome, Ryan, to Living with Scanxiety. Hey, thank you for having me. Definitely. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you on here, and I'd like to know if you could share your story with us. Okay. Uh, yeah, so my story is it's kind of, it's kind of a long story, but... Uh, Basically, yeah. So I had uh, cancer at um, ages six, nine, eleven, and um, twenty-one. But um, I guess getting to that first diagnosis of cancer was uh, a bit of a obstacle. Um, so for two years, I was misdiagnosed. Um, you know, I was treated with all kinds of medications. I was treated for um, an allergy to cats. Um, oh, wow. I was, you know, my parents were told over and over that the chances of me um, at the age I was having uh, lymphoma or something serious like cancer were so slim that, you know, they were worrying too much and, and, you know, overly concerned. Um, But in the end, when I was six years old, of course, uh, we finally learned um, through going to um, actually uh, Eggleston in Atlanta, Georgia, that I did in fact have um, Hodgkin's lymphoma and that from there on is what kind of started the whole, um, you know, process and led me down the road to where I am. Oh, wow. I'm sorry you went through that. And I know that uh, some of your, in the past anyways, you've talked about fear and having a fear and whether that was at which point one of the four points that you were diagnosed. Can you tell me what fear means to you? Um, well, I mean, <laughs> my fears kind of changed over the years with what I'm actually fearful of. Um, I guess in a way, um, I've gotten kind of, uh, I'm not going to say comfortable with uh, cancer, but, uh, you know, I grew up with it and then, you know, 
six, nine, 11, 21. Um, so into my early adulthood, I, I was familiar with the disease. Um, so in a way I always knew what to expect. Um, but I mean, and there were some really tough times in, in that, but when I got into the, uh, long-term side effects of, you know, like cancer treatment with, with my heart and things like that, things that I, I, I wasn't used to, you know, I was never used to, um, heart problems or arrhythmias or things like that. So that was kind of, um, that was, that was a new fear for me, um, to take on. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can only imagine. And that's part of the reason why you're on the show today is to talk about the the side effects and knowing, understanding them and knowing them. So do you have any advice for parents on that? For me, um, well, the advice I give is for people to just, you, you really have to be on top of, um, the, you know, going forward. You have to know what types of treatment you were on and what to look for, um, you know, for example, me, I was on a, a lot of cardiotoxic uh, treatments. I had a lot of radiation to my chest. Um, but in, in 2006, I had pericarditis. I went into VTAC uh, Christmas Day, um, fell out unconscious on the floor. And that was my, hey, you have uh, issues with your heart from all this treatment you have. That's how I found out. Instead, of having a cardiologist follow me, you know, after, um, all of the treatment I'd had. So, uh, just in short, you know, if you know you're on these treatments that could cause these problems down the line, even if you're feeling healthy, even if you're, um, you know, you're active, you know, I was very active when this happened. I was working out, I was, um, you know, doing martial arts, stuff like that. Um, so even if you're very active, healthy, always have, uh, somebody follow you um, for whatever types of problems that could be possible down the road. First off, I'm sorry that you went through that. And I think kind of what you're saying too is for parents, yes, take over during the time when they're still children, but make sure that you reinforce within your child as they become an adult to continue to get checks, checkups and to continue to acknowledge that this happened to them and they can have these side effects. So something like what happened to you, not necessarily wouldn't, but you would know that your heart was a little more sensitive. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, so, yeah, there were, in the, there were, you know, from that event, you know, um, you know, they had to, quickly catch up and learn my heart and what was going on with my heart. And, um, you know, I already had some kind of rare, um, arrhythmia called Wolf Parkinson white. Um, so it was a lot of catch up they had to play during, um, you know, this emergency situation. So if you ever do have a situation like this and you, you're already, um, with a cardiologist and they know your, your baseline for how your heart behaves and functions and your EKGs and your echoes and what everything looks like. Um, when something does happen, if it does, then um, they know how to care for you better. Having somebody involved all the time is really important. I know that from my own medical challenges, but indeed, yes, always have somebody involved. And 
So that covers the importance of not only the checkups once you finish treatment and the side effects, uh, but what about hobbies? Because you discussed the importance of hobbies during treatment and how did that help you? And what were some of your hobbies? Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah. Um, hobbies during treatment and even, even after treatment, just in general, um, my hobbies have spanned all sorts of things. Like we were talking about <laughs> before we got on here, um, had all this time on my hands. And one of the, one of the weird hobbies was, you know, I would spend hours, like going through all these coins, trying to find that one rare coin that there might have been, you know, ten in the world or something. But um, so that was that was a hobby that didn't stick around too long. But um, but today, you know, it's kind of evolved into things I do, um, you know, like writing, which um, I was doing a little bit of that back when I was sick. Um, it just it gave me something to look forward to every day, you know, because um, when you're sick, sometimes you know you get up and you know, a lot of, a lot of normal people can be like, Hey, I'm going out to do this, you know, but you know, when you have to stay at home, um, you need something you can do or some things you can alternate, you know, and do. So you might write, you might read, um, you know, I don't know some people may play games, whatever it is, but you have to, um, kind of disconnect from the worry of being sick and all of that. Um, and everybody probably, has their thing that they like to do, but, um, hobbies were really important. And then once I got, um, better, um, I went back to working out really hard, which had always been a thing for me. Um, even when I was sick, uh, like we discussed, uh, when I went to the hospital just for that kind of small wind, kind of like, kind of like how you feel after you make your bed, I took these little dumbbells and I would do just, we're talking very minimal exercise, but, Still, it gave me that, you know, that feeling of, hey, I've accomplished something. Um, and that really, that really helped me. So that's great that you found an outlet. I think it's important not only for the children, but definitely for the parents as well to have some type of hobby because self care kind of piggy- piggybacks off of that, whether or not it's yoga, deep breathing, etc. And then for the children, like you said, you did the coin collections. And I'm assuming because you had all these coins that your parents or someone was helping you gather these coins. Yeah, that was that was just one of the uh, that was just one of the um, one of the many that I had. There was also a time when I was uh, in third grade, sixth grade that I did uh, like I had I had like gardens outside, you know, I would grow my own vegetables and stuff like that. Um, So that was I went through several different things, different things, <laughs> but yeah, the, the coin one didn't stick around too long, but it was definitely one that I did. And do you think that having parent support or family support was important for you? Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely um, family support. Um, in my book, I talk about <clears throat> a lot of people and my grandfather um, who, um, well, we'll talk about them a minute, uh, Bamba, which was what we called my grandmother, his wife. Um, I spent a lot of time with him, uh, in his garden and just kind of hanging out. If I had, if there was a chance, you know, on the days I went to school and maybe I got sick, you know, he would do something, you know, to cheer me up. He'd come pick me up in his, um, old Corvette, 
Uh, oh, cool. But, yeah, he'd just kind of show up in this Corvette. He knew I loved to ride in it. Um, but so he was always in my life through these things. And um, um, that, you know, they helped me get through. Um, and one other hobby I, I can't believe I forgot was my music. So music is probably the thing that's carried me through, you know, over the years. So, um, but so anyway, yeah. So you called your grandmother Bamba, is that right? Bamba was my grandmother, um, my dad's mom. When you were in the hospital, you used to get lots of gifts from her, correct? Yeah, when I was in the hospital, they would bring me, and this could be for, um, you know, like different procedures or um, even, you know, on the some days I had, I just did not do well with chemo, Um you know, it was in the eighties, you know, it was, it was a lot different. Um, I mean, from my experience, um, I didn't have the same anti-nausea medication that I had later on in the nineties when I had chemotherapy. So in the eighties, you know, my memories of having chemotherapy was just, you got chemotherapy and then you were just violently ill. Just not that you, not that I just felt run down, but I would, you know, I was at the Ronald McDonald house this past weekend. I actually went back to the Ronald McDonald house. I stayed at throughout my treatment as a kid. Um, and it was my first time going back to this house, the Houston mill house. Um, and you know, we did a little photo shoot for an event and this sort of thing, but I went to the, you know, I got to go to the, these doors again, I have not been in this house in over 30 years and it was just really surreal. But I remember going to Eggleston, getting my treatment driving up to the Toronto McDonald house and we just kind of braced ourselves and, um, you know, it was just, you know, getting sick. It was, it was bad. Um, so. That's awful. I felt, Oh my God. I can't even imagine because, um, I don't want to say we were fortunate, but I, I guess comparatively speaking, we are fortunate that they, that they were able to you know, control his symptoms, my son's symptoms following. So I feel yeah, so badly yeah. that you had to go through that. It's awful. Um, but you were at the Ronald McDonald house, and that's because you have these special things that kind of take after what your grandmother gave you, and it's named after yeah. her. So tell me about it. What's that about? Okay, so um, I started, uh, it launched December 30th uh, last year. It's called Bamba Box. Um, BambaBox.com is our website. And um, basically, they are just, it's, it's a little more than a care package, but um, the, the boxes, you know, it's a big purple box that looks like a gift. And um, so we ship these gift boxes to, uh, kids at Ronald McDonald houses and, um, here at Wilson, um, hospital, uh, Wilson children's hospital in Jacksonville, Florida, but it, it works two ways. So, uh, if you personally know of a child that maybe it's your, you know, your son, your daughter, your, whoever, your friend, son or daughter, who's in the hospital, sick, uh, whatever, um, you can order through our website and we will ship the Bamba box to them. Um, we have boxes for ages four to five, six to eight, nine to 12, all, um, age appropriate toys. Um, and then the other thing that we're doing a lot of, and and this is what I did last week in Atlanta is, uh, we have a gifting program. So what that, how that works is say you want to contribute 
you want to, hey, you want to gift a box to, you know, a child that needs to be cheered up. Maybe they're in the hospital. Maybe they're at the Ronald McDonald House, or maybe, you know, it's maybe it's a, a brother and sister of a child that's uh, going through chemotherapy at the Ronald McDonald House. Um, well, when you gift a box through the website, then we ship that box on your behalf. It actually has a little uh, certificate inside that says, hey, this this Bamba box gifted by, and I'll have your name on it. Um, and then we ship, the, ship those boxes to um, these Ronald McDonald houses or Wolfson or what have you. And then that facility, that organization, they distribute the Bamba boxes to the children. Um, so this past weekend, I was able to deliver uh, 32 Bamba boxes to the Ronald McDonald house um, at, at the Gatewood location. Um, so that was really cool. It was my first time getting to see kids actually open the Bamba box, uh, and see their reaction to, you know, everything inside, you know, the wondering what was inside was kind of like the big part. They wanted to know what they were going to get and they open it up and they have this different mixture of, you know, mystery toys. Um, so there's a parachute man in every Bamba box. Oh, cool. The significance is that that was my favorite toy. When I was when I used to get my care packages from uh, my Bamba and Granddaddy, and so if you get the parachute man, whose parachute has my signature, then um, you will win a um, virtual concert for me. Um, I'll perform my song for the that I did for the American Cancer Society. Uh, it's called Where Hope Lives. I'll do that on FaceTime, Skype, uh, whatever you prefer. Oh wow, that's really. Really uh, kind of you. And not only that, I don't think you understand out there that he does the packing himself. Yeah, I do this. Um, I do the packing. Um, my my mother helps with some deliveries um, and some other business stuff. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it's just pretty much a, a two-man operation. So... That's really, that's a beautiful thing, though, because it makes it so much more personal. And when you said music was huge for you, did that mean that you were singing to yourself when you were sick? Or were you listening to music? And what type of music were you listening to? Uh, well, that's this kind of, in, there's two parts of this. So um, the, the first time, and I, this is this is in my book, um, I talk about how me and my brother, we would I'm sure everybody remembers Casey Kasem's uh, weekly top 40, whatever countdown. Um, so we would, we would record, you know, our favorite songs from that countdown onto cassette tapes. Oh, cool. Um, and so, yeah. And the, that's the thing of the past. And then I would have this really old relic called a uh, Walkman. And um, so I would, every chemo session, I would take my tapes and turn on my Walkman and listen to these tapes and, um, man, it really got me through. The weird thing is some of these songs, I can hear them and it's like, um, literally like a time travel, like right back. It reminds me exactly of a specific chemotherapy treatment or something from way back in the eighties. Um, now later on, um, you know, kind of just how was my love of music kind of progressed into, you know, playing guitar and then, that went on to some other things. Um, you know, I, I had a commercial record in 2008 and then I did my, uh, what's called hear the heart tour in 2010. Um, and with that, I, uh, 
was sponsored to play it. Um, you know, I played at some Hope Lodges, Ronald McDonald houses, um, different hospitals, played for a lot of uh, people affected by cancer, whether it was um, caretakers or people going through treatment um, themselves. And then I, of course, went on to do the the songs that I did for, um, you know, of course, American Cancer Society and um, one other song. I've heard the Survivor song, and it's a really great one. So stay tuned in to the end of the episode because I will play it for you. So anyways, any ways that we can contact you, any methods? I know you gave out the Bamba Box information. Is there anything else that we should know before we wrap up? Um, yeah, I mean, anybody they can anybody can email me um, if you you have questions on Bama Box. You can go to uh, bamabox.com. Um, there's a contact form. Those messages come to me um, on my personal website. Same thing. You can follow me on Twitter, my Instagram, um, and my Facebook, of course. Well, thank you so much for being a guest and. I appreciate all the messages that you shared with us today. Thanks for having me. And stay tuned because this song's coming right up. Not a day goes by That you don't think of the time They told you all was okay Go live your life now, you're fine And it will be all does it feel to survive all around the world? Stand up and join hands. Shine your lights to the sky. Celebrate a new life. Never felt so alive. That's how it feels to survive. We're the survivors, survives. We're all survivors tonight. I, we're all survivors tonight. After all of these trials, through fears and tears, we still smile. Hope as the strongest ally. Who live your life now? You'll find. And it will be alright How does it feel to survive all around the world? Stand up and join hands Shine your lights to the sky Celebrate a new life Never felt so that's how it feels to survive We're the survivors, survives We're all survivors tonight I, We're all survivors tonight Every scar inside Shows you one divide And every tear you cry A survivor's life is surviving times when all you had in life was desire to find 
Survivors tonight. 